Welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics, and this is a planet-sized episode for a planet-sized discussion of planet-sized X-Men out on the 16th of June, 2021. It's one of the books of the Hellfire Gala, one of three this week. But if you're looking for our discussions of the other two books, which are New Mutants 19 and X-Core number two, we're going to do that in a separate episode because this was a double-length issue, but I would venture to say we might have quadruple the amount of feelings about it in this discussion. So it's going to be spoiler-filled up until this week. We're not going to spoil the other issues from this week in this discussion. So if you've only read Planet Size X-Men, you're golden. But anything else from like the beginning of time up until now could be spoiled. So proceed with caution. I'm joined here with my friends from around the comic book reading world and the actual physical world, Tyler, Harry, and Fariha. And just to warm up a little bit today, we are going to chat about something alien uh, that has to do with the books this week, which is terraforming, which is the practice of changing the land to be your ideal land. And the question I have for the panel is, if you could have a limited area of terraform, if you could terraform, I don't know, around three miles from where you are right now, what would that ideal landscape look like? And what amenities would you want placed upon it if you were creating your own hospitable environment? Starting with Tyler. Well, I would put it something like... um... Facility-wise, I kind of like city. I grew up in the city. Um, so, you know, in terms of like convenience and stuff like that, I, I would prefer to have that than having to drive like an hour to get to a mall to buy, you know, a carton of milk. So that's something which I, you know, I'm not used to. And in terms of like um, the rest of it, I kind of want it to look like Hobbiton. <laughs> Everybody come to New Zealand. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, that would be my ideal type of like weather um, and, you know, sunny, um, no, uh, like very low humidity, you know, but uh, not super cold. So, and if it is up to me, it will be perpetually fall because I love (laughs) the colors of fall and I love the smell of fall. So. Yeah, well, not the smell of New York in fall, but smell of fall in <laughs> yeah, general. Yeah, that's, that's a distinct scent. Different yeah. vibe. Different vibe. Harry, what about you? What does perfected landscape around you look like for you? So I live in Florida, uh, which is a much maligned and joked about state, but um, everyone comes here over vacation. It's kind of undeniable, and we're in the middle of a big surge right now to yeah. add credence to that. So um, I would actually... My preferred ecosystem and like kind of environment would be very similar to this, but changed in degrees. Uh, <laughs> first things first, I would like to drop down humidity by a lot. Beyond that, uh, you know, drop the temperature maybe five degrees. We're always a little five degrees hotter than it should be, or we're used to it, but like we know what it's when it's really nice. Um, I like the amount of rain we have, so we can keep that. Um, I'd like just more nearby kind of trails and swamps and, 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 uh, preserve areas. If I want to walk around, if that's something that strikes my fancy, um, cause there's a lot of old wild Florida, which is super enjoyable. Um, and then finally I want there to be a bunch of bookstores. Uh, <laughs> that's not really an ecosystem. That's just something I but want. But that's the amenities that you layer yes, on top of the exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you want to walk like, you know, you know, on a mountain trail, not sweating to a yeah. bookstore three yeah. miles away and I walk sure. back. I, I don't see a problem with this <laughs> and I don't want to pretend like there is. I think that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Freya? What is the ideal surrounding for you? I really love ocean. 
like it's my it's one of my things like you know it's like I actually want when I'm dead and gone someone to throw my ash in the ocean that's <laughs> kind of written in my will um so I want obviously ocean and I also like the mountain like you know so the so the idea of like it's going to be like a the way I'm picturing it like if I'm entering that area, it kind of opens up to the ocean, but then there's this giant mountains on the both side. And on the on one side, you would have like these caves, which would be filled with different books and stuff. And each cave will be different genre of books. So depending on which one you like, you go to one or the other. Um, and on the other side, there will be some nice coffee and stuff. And then in the middle, I will have like, a nice seat with umbrella to sit and read all the time. And um, there's also going to be some time when it rains in the afternoon because I really love afternoon rain. And the temperature will always be 70 degrees. That's it. It's interesting. I had never really thought too hard about this because I'd always lived in Philadelphia for over three decades. And I was like, you get what you get, you know. And moving here to Wellington made me realize some things that I never really did like about Philadelphia, even though I claimed I loved it there so much. Like, Philadelphia is super, super flat. It was built on a swamp. It is, mm. it, there's no hill anywhere in actual yeah. Philadelphia that's, like, more than, like, a little speed bump. And uh, I like that there's terrain. Like, Wellington has big hills, windy streets, you know, stuff that's hard to walk up in, in the way that parts of San Francisco are. And I actually really like living in a place that has levels. And the other thing is I think I took for granted in Philadelphia that I like living near water. I'm not a big go-in-the-water person. I don't necessarily like swimming or, or boating that much. I mean, they're fun, but it's not my primary thing. But I definitely like being able to see the water, feel the air come off the water. I don't mind the humidity of being on the water. And so here in Wellington, you know, we're, we're surrounded on old sides. Our, our old house, which some of you saw in my view, um, used to look mm -hmm. right out on the bay or the harbor. And I love that. I don't know if I would want to be farther away from, from water anymore. And much like Freya... I, I have no interest in it going over 70 degrees. That does not appeal to me at all. Wellington in Celsius, since we've been here, I don't think it has ever gone below four except for like one hour of the night. And I don't think it's gone over 28 where we are, a little bit north of the city it has. That's my ideal. And it mm. made me really realize in life that I'm willing to give up so many other things to never be hot and never be cold. Like, <laughs> like I would like to live in a slightly bigger city. I would like there to be a slightly more developed road network. I like a little bit more like urban town center kind of stuff. But you know what? In exchange for being the right temperature all year round, I'll take it. I'll even take it being the windiest city in the world because I never have to be hot ever again in my life mm. as long as I stay here and I do not <laughs> like to be hot. So I think Wellington, it, it's it's close. I'm close. I think I think I would prefer some more urban development, but I understand the reasons for, for the land that that isn't here and I'm willing to accept it. Way to rub it in our faces. Yeah, sounds interesting yeah. place to live, sir. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. okay, no, sure, is. Peter. That's I mean, how, it's, that's it is the windiest place on earth, which, which is why it I can only have this hair too. now that I don't go outside anymore. And uh, and it's also um, it's also very, very damp. Like, when you're renting yeah. homes here, every home you get into, you almost just have to, like, touch surfaces to be like, is this wall damp? Is this floorboard damp? And, like, it's just normal. It's just normal. Like, I think of, you know, 20 houses that we looked at when we moved, like, 15 of them were like, yeah, this house is pervaded with mildew. And that's just, mm. like, life. So there's there's negatives. I don't mean to make it out to be this perfect utopia. Mm, those negatives sound like, you know, 
like not in a bagel of a tree kind of negative. <laughs> the bagel tree is out of my favorite bagel. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It just sounded like that when you just said it. <laughs> Such a problem to have. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, breathing black mold. That's just the bad flavor of bagel. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna talk about some X Men comic books, y'all. For Planet Size X-Men number one, we're going to go around and get our personal reactions before we get deep into the plot and the themes of this book. Starting with uh, the stranger to my side, if you're only listening to this, Tyler has really gone full fancy dress for us today. Uh, but we have ascertained it definitely is Tyler. It's just everybody asks for their own modifications in the resurrection protocols. So, Tyler... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, don't encourage him. He looks I, like, I fully encourage the nonsense from Tyler. I one hundred percent. For for people who are only listening, Tyler is. I can only explain him as um a crew member on a nineteen seventies porno shoot. You look like a but you, that, that's just my personal. That's just my personal rendition. You look like Mark Wahlberg's one of Mark Wahlberg's background people in Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very very bad. So Tyler. I mean, why am I disappointed even though this is a really good issue of comics? Because it could have been so much better. Mm. I mean, a pretty book that basically sets up a new space status quo for Krakoan Mutant era should have been an easy 5 out of 5. But this really suffers from insufficient setup that made certain elements, some of it very essential, seem to have been there just for plot convenience. And that is one of my pet peeves. So, you know, three Krakoel helmets out of five? Whew, coming in hot today. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, Harry. What do you have to say about planet-sized X-Men? It's kind of an interesting issue where it's like uh, both a setup for the future, almost like a weird coda to X of Swords in a sense. Uh, but what I was, I liked it because I was appealing to just how much these two creators that are about to get their own X-Men book seem to mm -hmm. jive, uh, jive together. They were really, really kind of felt on the same page. It's a much more playful um, uh, Loraz than we're used to. Uh, it's uh, I felt like Duggan did some really solid work and that he can do the epic hick mini stuff without feeling like a pale imitator. No offense to Nick Spencer on Avengers World, sorry, Peter. Uh, so overall, like it, it just was like it. I don't. It didn't like blow me away, but I was really satisfied by it. And um, you know, I'm genuinely excited to see what happens next. Like really, really fundamentally, like this is going to be fun. This new X Men book. Uh, so I'm going to give it a four point two five. Uh, good Quentin Quire uh, right, uh, writing out of five. Fariha, what did you think about this planet size spectacular? Back in, I believe, 2018, or... No, it was 2019, uh, like, when Hawksbox first came out, you and I did, like, um, X-Men and a New Mutant, um, like, you know... Uh, 20 questions. Yeah. yeah, 20 question thing. And in that, you asked me that question that, oh, I think, like, we were talking about something, and you were like, okay, so what do you want the X-Men or the mutants to do when there is nothing to fight, when there is, like, nothing to... Like, you know, to fight for or, you know, doing like that. Um, and I answered that, well, Iceman will probably make ice for the homeless. That was my answer <laughs> you know, to that. that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because I went back to look at it. Um, and now I'm realizing because I'm an unimaginative non-writer, that was my answer. But the real answer was this book. This is what happens when you take away, like, you know, 
their the not necessarily take away the bigotry altogether but the thing is when you provide them with like a home where they can flourish where they can just do undiluted competence porn by showing off their power and combining it together because we have the five now we have like what 10 11 12 like of them working together to create a planet like it blew my mind away i was kind of in tears it reminded me of pax romana which changed my mind and this was also a very hickman thing because the man is obsessed with mars and going to mars <laughs> and this is this is all of that the art was really really good there was um like you know a few elements like i feel like no non-X-Men character should ever arrive in X-Men anymore because there is like this whole thing that Marvel does where it's like we're going to just trash the characters. I don't know mm. why they do it, but they do it, which really set my head on fire. But there's one scene Magneto look, looked so hot as a young Magneto that is like Lara's pretty much just plucked it out of my head. Like all of it was just so much like, mm, like it was like a perfect main course. Yum, yum, yum. Mm, <laughs> hot Magneto summer. Oh, like, mm, I may have rubbed one out after that. But anyway, Peter, what did you feel? Always uh, making me change that YouTube content qualification. Okay, so, yes. uh, you know, it's interesting. Listen, I, listen, do not underestimate, like, you know, a woman's sexuality. No, we are not trying to put any contains no. or bounds on the on women's sexuality here on yeah, this program. Yeah, leave, leave that up to DC. But yeah. Don't yeah. And that's as much discourse as you're going to get on that from us this week. So, uh, you know, I had this moment in the middle of this issue where I thought, this is what it's like when people like comic books. Like, and I like comic books all the time. I mean, I'm famous for as much as I come down hard and stuff. I love stuff. But I frequently don't with X-Men because it doesn't make me amazed. It doesn't ever seem spe spectacular. And people talk about the spectacle and I'm like hung up on the details. And at least on my first read here, it was spectacular. There, there was nothing that felt out of place. I had no notes. It took me on a journey which made me forget that I was reading this comic, this art form that I love to pick apart and critique. And that's a magical comic that does that. And I love that I can feel that way every week. But if I'm being honest, it's very rare that X-Men comics really make me feel that way the closer we get to a flagship book. You've seen me feel mm -hmm. that way on like Way of X, but the closer to the center we get, the less I often feel that way. And this, I just was, I was totally out of critical mind and into fan mind. And it's, that's spectacular. On reread, there are some things that I'm going to talk about in this discussion that I think this book could have done better. But I think the best thing it did was it did what it said it would do. I, I don't mm -hmm. think you got to do this mystery box surprise nonsense. It did. We all thought they were going to another planet. They were. We all thought it was going to involve Mars. It did. Um, we all thought it was going to somehow involve Emmeth. It did. And that's great. Give us the things that you set up. It rewards us for caring as much as we do here on discussions like this week and next. So, I, you know, uh, it's one of these situations where do I have disputes? Yes. Does that take away from how great it was in the way that it made me feel? No. Remember in the last, uh, one of the last episodes, I said that I, like, you know, I, I'm. I, it better blow my mind. Consider my mind blow. Well, there you go. <laughs> you mission know, accomplished. This is it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, mission accomplished. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, even though we kind of knew it, we talked about it, we speculated it, I was still like, oh, my God. I mean, this is how you use the, your power? The way, this is what you can do with the power? <gasps> it is the way they do it, which, 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 which makes it, like, really good. It's not just mm -hmm. that, oh, this happens. You know, it's the right. way, the, 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 the steps which they took, like this, and then this, 
and then mm-hmm. this, and it was it was a good one. We are going to yeah. get into all those steps in just a moment. What I want to talk about first, though, is art. Just because a huge part of this spectacle is art, and it would be a disservice to not really give it some attention before we go into any of the plot. So, Pepe Larraz, Marta Gracia, they draw a lot of totally, I would say, almost unimaginable things very, very well in this issue. What do you all have to say about the art of this issue, starting with Tyler? I mean, I loved it. Um... The thing I really like about it is sometimes um they the 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 pair of them emotes um like provokes an emotion out of you when you look at certain pages. For example, the page where they were on the white palace and the sun is either setting or 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 is dawn. I think it's I I mean I I took it as dusk, and and the and the shade of the lights from. Uh, on 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 the three the three kings and queens is just really really subtle and amazing, and then you have that bat that the sun right behind Magneto you know sort of creating um not quite a halo but you know kind of hinting at that I thought things like that was so well done, and um and you know I mean the character design of course we have to talk about you know the Araki. And the great ring of like power, um, or, or ring of fire, or, or something like that. I can't remember. Could have remembered it wrongly. And then, um, yeah. And then, and then the foliage, um, of the uh Westchester, um, estate where, it, I mean, I mean, there, 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 there are a lot of elements which I, I, I really like, here. Harry, anything you want to add to that? So he kind of like obviously blew everyone away with House of X and uh, you know, I, I don't want to come on hard on him, but I definitely felt like his X of Swords stuff was was great, but definitely kind of felt more of the same. I think this is a step up from him. Um, just as you already mentioned, the colors and the I think just the create the sheer creativity, this just feels more varied and colorful and expressive than a lot of his work that he's had recently. Um, just the way that the Iraqi New Mutants look and just the, I think it's earlier, just the playfulness of some of the expressions and some of the things that happen. Like there are very bizarre comedy beats in this book that I think <laughs> we're going to get to. But that's not yeah. like what Hickman does. So we're not going to see it there. But with Duggan, like you can also see that Laraz can do this kind of thing as well. And that's really exciting. Um, I Yeah, I think this is some of his best work. It's pretty remarkable. Freeha? Um, so after last week's uh, issues, I actually kicked a Hellfire Gala o- oversized hardcover off my pre-order because I was like, this is not for me. Uh, after watching, seeing the art in it, it's back on. <laughs> so that should tell you what I felt about it. Like, you know, I need, needed to have these art in oversized format and, you know, I ordered it. I mean, even though some of the issues I'm not favorable on, I was um, all about the art on this. It's really wild. Yes, and it's it's very uniquely done. Like, you know, it's just like a lot of the things, like how like how the powers are working and how everything is coming together is done in a way that I'm like, okay, I understand what they're doing. You know, it just... Yeah, the thing I really want to pull out from it is it, 
I think it's easy to overlook the strength of Lara sometimes because he's not somebody who's constantly playing with page layouts in a way that's like immediately smack you in the face. He, he, he's a very good cartoonist of, of figures. And I think it's easy to undervalue that. But it's the way he stages them, the angles that he chooses. So I'm just looking at this one page. It's not even the most spectacular page, but it's the one where Magneto and Jamie meet and the way that he play, plays with being behind Magneto and at Jamie's eye level and then looking down at Magneto and up at Jamie. Those are smart choices that an artist has to make. And even if the writer has gone so far as to say, take a low tight angle, which some writers do write in a more directorial style like that. I don't know. I've not seen Douglas scripts, so I don't know for sure. But the, a lot of that is in the execution and the panache of the art. The, the world has so much detail in it from, you know, Jamie's crumbling palace to just what does it look like to terraform Mars? It's clear that he referenced so many photos. And when I say reference, I don't mean like lightboxed or trace, but just looked at what photos of from Mars look like. And I think that that gave it a sense of place that a lot of extraterrestrial comic books don't have because the landscape doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel tangible. And you've got to talk about the colors there too, because Gracia hits the right mark. This is a Mars that eventually is starting to feel sunlight, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you can feel that happening. You look at the shadows that they're casting, the way the light is on their helmets. I think it's all really clever and, and incredibly smart. And you need somebody with the vision to do that. You can't just ask any colorist to be like, so envision Mars on the first day that there's really beautiful sunlight there, <laughs> you know, through the clouds. That, that, not every colorist in comics can go, okay, that, that's, a, that's a specific skill of Marta Gracias. I, I have some little quibbles, I think, we're um Lars is starting to lean a little bit Diodato for me at points where it's like mm. so heavily shaded and like the blacks and the darks are so much of the way that he's selling the facial features that the facial features get a little stiff for me sometimes. I still think he draws every woman's yelling face exactly the same and they same. have no distinguished no nothing difference mm -hmm. between any of them. Uh and Gracia, I just need him to sometimes take off like the last layer of light reflections sometimes. <laughs> But I mean, these are these are tiny things that are personal preferences, except for the woman's face thing. Work on that. Uh, that that I think are massive. So in in his defense, like you know, look at the women that are in supposed to be screaming. They're all they're both the same woman. From <laughs> right, it's hope and gene. I mean, there's also yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's and, just and like you know. Hair. Yeah, like, you know, it's like a red hair and stuff like that. I was mostly fuming about that aspect of it because it's like, you know, they had to make like a bring a red hair check. Like they cannot stop thinking about red hair in like um, no. in X-Men. No. So when, it's, when it's, it comes like, to, it's not his... When it comes to important yeah, ladies in X-Men, no, it, it has, has to be a red be, hat. Yeah. Scott's sexual red fetish, or Scott's sexual <laughs> yeah, fetish right. like just like exactly. spread out throughout the entire X-Men Oh, universe. by the way, <laughs> uh, uh, hold on. Don't, don't, don't bring that. Don't bring hope into... Oh, right. No, sorry. no. Uh, uh, take it back. I take, take it back. back. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> family like, free. Summer family, yeah, family like, free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, that's his granddaughter. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but the thing is like, um, I, I would say though, like, you know, I was very uncomfortable by hot Magneto. Like that really <laughs> made me uncomfortable. Like, you oh, know, and it's like, to talk about 80. that, right? Mm. His cape, look at oh. the way his cape flows. <laughs> I mean, we know people like us love to draw like, you know, his flowing cape, but well, no, I mean... <laughs> What is Lara's? Silver used to be our. Oh, silver. But Lara's okay. giving him a run for his money here. 
Yeah. Well, I want yeah, but... to pivot into starting to talk a little bit about the thematic stuff here. And and the first, and then we're going to, we're going to talk about some themes that set it up. Then we're going to talk about the actual book. And then we're going to talk about some like actual prevailing themes that this sets up for the run. So in terms of setting it up, I got the sense that this move to a different planet was probably always in the cards. There were probably people that were always considering it. After all, we did see a flower on Mars back in yeah. House of X number one. But there yeah. are a couple of precipitating factors that are really pushing this. One is the arrival of the Arakans out of Otherworld and, and in their own island, which if you think about it, world governments would notice this thing. Like Krakoa's landmass, Captain America informs us, has increased, what, like 500%? Five. There's all these extra millions of people, like the world would notice. And, and the mm. book lets us know that this has only been two weeks since Exit Sword happened. So people are still reacting. You know, it takes a couple days to get your intel. People are scrambling their militaries, doing their, their spying. There hasn't been a lot of time to plan around that. And then the other thing is something that we're led to believe just has happened in the last day or two, which is the events of X-Core number one, which is that the, the savage land growing fields of medic medicine are down and there's just not enough surface area on Krakoa to keep up with demand and demand is up. So that creates this this kind of force that Magneto's like, it's time, it's time. And of course, many other things, things happening in Marauders, things happening in Sword. But that's presented to us as why are we doing Mars now? So does anybody want to say anything about that setup before we get into some of the plot of the book? Faria? You know that there's some some events in your life. You're like, okay, my life before that and my life after that. And I feel like my life, like one of the point, pinpoint of my life is like the day I read Pops Romana, which was June 28th. 2018 so it's almost um, your anniversary yes it yeah. is it is almost my two uh, two years three years and three years anniversary that was um and one of the things i have been seething since then because one of the end of pax romana is about humans being in mars in 1400 because a lot of societal uh, restrictions that keep science out has been taken out because of a time traveling element and that's how it leads to so I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's it's reading this, a lot of that kind of thought and then the anger came back with it that I have been denied being living in Mars because <laughs> of like, you know, there hasn't been time traveling and there hasn't been. And I was just so happy to see this happen. Even though, I mean, I feel like if they didn't even given the reason that there was like a Araco happen or there was like, you know, a lot of this Mar like things, like it just, just if the mutant just decided that we're done with this dumb planet and we're just going to go to Mars and we're going to create our own planet and we can do, we're going to do that because we realize that we can do that. I would have been just as happy. I mean, I guess like that's what I was saying that, you know, in terms of like, I didn't necessarily needed all of those hmm. reasons. Like, you know, I mean, I was just like, it was just like, it kind of like when I went and reread it and listened, I'm like, oh yeah, that was the reason. Like, I didn't even notice that that was one of the reason because yeah. I was kind of, as I was, I was just scrolling through it and I was like, knowing that this is happening. And then as it was happening, that's all I could just be giddy about. Harry, anything you want to say about this kind of the impetus that finally pushes them to make this happen? I mean, you know, the stuff with Marauders and X-Corp are like nice. That's just like nice tyings in of continuity and it just makes it all feel like a cohesive line. But then you have this Arako stuff, which I think, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Though. Like, it, it, you know, it probably wasn't the original plan to have, I'm speculating, but the original plan to have like this come right after and have this be like a big kind of... Uh, 
as I already said before, like an epilogue to X of Swords in the sense, but like it is really satisfying to see them figure out this massive problem in such like a triumphant hell yeah way and just such a big just impressive grand way of executing it. It, it it's just like it you know the when the the iraq and iraqi mutant showed up it was like what are we gonna do with these things this is a big status quo change but like in what direction and then this book is saying probably for the best or at least we found a good solution and that's kind of thrilling because some of the best moments of this entire uh status quo has been seeing the mutants get a bunch of wins uh, so I, I loved it. I was just really in the pocket for seeing them solve this problem in a super bombastic, exciting way. Tyler? I mean, apart from the fact that I think that Hellfire Gala is supposed to come almost immediately after X of Swords, and then because X of Swords was expanded, they wisely push it down the, you know, the line. I mean, my problem with this is that why have we not seen any of the Araki's problems on paper? We have so many titles. We only saw one scene of a bar fight in Cable yeah. number 10. And that is not a problem. It's a bar fight. I took it as... I, I, was I mean, actually, that's... Duggan wrote it, so I was like, okay, at least Duggan's been putting them Right, together. but we have a year. We have yeah. almost a year <gasps> of books. Right. Yeah. And yeah. among... I mean, from... Apart from X-Men 16, I think, was when we came out of X of Sword, which basically, you know, Iska say no to <laughs> Professor X and Magneto, and the two islands refused to, you know, merge. And then... And we have not seen the, the, the Arakis at all after that. Devil's Advocate. Hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> if after X of Swords we would have gotten more Iraqi mutants, I would have walked into the ocean. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm not saying focus on I the know, Iraqis. I know. I'm I just did, saying that yeah. seed the idea. If, we if, have issues upon issues of stupid Wolverine fighting vampires. <laughs> we have issues and issues of Hellfire kids doing random stupid stuff and no. like nonsense UN stuff. No. Why can't we have like three pages? of Araki, like, you know, doing something in this issue. And then two issues later, in another title, we have Araki doing something. And then two issues later, in a data page, we talk about Araki's doing this. There is absolutely no setup. And this makes it so unsatisfying. I mean, it is great that this happens. But, but I, I, I mean, part of me felt like this is a failure in terms of planning. Because if you have seeded it, Along the way, this would have been so much more impactful. I would agree. Well, I, I mean, I agree. in addition to that, like the humans requesting more concentrated Krakoan drugs, why did we not see yeah, that I in Marauders? I didn't even, like, really understand that comment. And I'm on that page right now because it's the page I want to talk about. Yeah. And it's kind of was like, oh, why do they need stronger drugs? Like, are, is the efficacy wearing that's off already? What, like, what does that mean? That's, I think that I took it as they're laying, setting the stage for, yeah, like humans are getting yeah. more used to it, basically. Sure. Um, I, I, I wasn't really bothered by that because I just thought I was, we'll see it later. Probably in Marauders. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, that's, why, a, that's an intriguing this? point yeah. that these Krakoan drugs have got almost like antibiotics in the real world that people are developing, you know, there's, there's germ resistant 
or antibiotic resistant germs yeah. mm-hmm. are we starting to have things that people are needing an, ad- an additional dose for and it really brings up the whole this whole um you know that they mutants just assume that they're right that it's not like they went through pharmaceutical trials longer than six <laughs> months on these drugs yeah. based on the timelines that we saw yeah. in hawks one so it's, i mean that's interesting i what uh, do i wish I would we'd say, seen though, a little bit more of it at some point maybe but like okay give us some new plot points i'm into that i'm not yeah. going to turn them away I, I was going to say that it's not the mutants who didn't do the trial. It's Dr. Nemesis. Let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah. he's the only, one. Only the, only the mushrooms that grew long enough that he could eat yeah. them off of his own. Yeah, head. he can no. eat them off. I mean, um, I'm addressing but, this up front because this is the one, the few things that are fueling my disappointment in this book. And again, I'm not saying the book is terrible. I mean, this by itself, this is a really good issue of comics. The problem is that you place it in... In, in the whole scheme of things, in this whole Krakon era, it doesn't it doesn't gel with me because we have a one year of wheel spinning, one year of not doing anything with the outcome of Exosource, and then suddenly we have this big push um, to do something. It, it, it's just, I mean, again, like what I said earlier, this is just this just feels like plot convenience to me, and that really infuriates me because this could have been so much better if if things has been seeded and and then everyone will be like oh okay so this is where they were going with this oh okay so this is what they have been doing and i mean and this is the whole you know if they have done this kind of spew but we can back to like appreciating this so what, what do you want us to do now tyler no, I mean this is. I'm just. I'm just venting my. I'm just venting my disappointment, and then now we can get to the talking about the books and the good part about it. Tyler so rarely okay. is the one of the four of us who's disappointed. Let's be exactly. honest. Aside from Wolverine, but, Tyler is the hardest one of the four of us to disappoint. So we got to give him the. Floor. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's it's it, but Let it's it hard to with the through the mustache. I think it's a like, good. You know, like, <laughs> this is evil, Tyler. Like, it's a good point. We don't we <laughs> don't know that he's going to feel this way again next week. So I do want to talk about something else on that same page for a moment in terms of the thing mm-hmm. I reacted to in the setup. There's this my favorite panel, perhaps in the whole thing. Very very subtle. It's Emma saying, "Why, Eric? You surprised me. Is there something you're keeping from the council? Possibly because I'm I just read New Mutant seventy five and I'm seeing the way that Emma and Magneto have allied in the past over time mm-hmm. and." I like the idea that I just like this idea. They both kind of know. They're like yeah. winking at each other here. And clearly they're working in concert because Emma's throwing the gala and Magneto is conducting the fireworks. Mm-hmm. But there's also this idea of, of each of them kind of having their fingers in different things. And it helps to me qualify a lot of what we've seen the Omega Mutants doing. I think this book allows us, especially because what we're about to talk about, the terraforming, to go back through this whole Dawn of X, Reign of X and say, what have the Omega Mutants been strategically asked to take care of or be responsible for or do? And how did it put them in the position to be used in this way, right? I think it's really important that Choir was given like a real job. I think if you started with Choir before he had a real job, he might not have agreed to do this, right? It was important that Hope was a linchpin of society. If you don't make Hope a linchpin, she's just going to go be a rebel. That's who she is. You got to do something with Hope that makes it so she has no choice but to feel dedicated and responsible Mm -hmm. for something. You know, whether Jean and her conflicted feelings about X-Force, but also the one that really struck me is like Jamie, like making 
making sure that somebody has eyes on Jamie. You need <laughs> a reality warper other than just Proteus probably to make this happen. And it just made me want to go back and read every scene where Magneto has been anywhere in the area or even suggested to influence the area that these characters have been in. And also it makes me look at the way that they've all been playing chess with these characters. We've had a chess motif on actual covers of Marauders, but like each person on the council to a degree is playing a game with the Omega Mutants as pawns. I mean, mm -hmm. Emma got Storm in her pocket really early. That's not something Emma had to do. It's something she she did have to do, but she didn't always wouldn't have done that. She decided mm -hmm. she had to do it. So that was the thing that was really interesting to me. Then to see them all use their powers, like, okay, competence porn, it's fun. But to <laughs> me, it was the setup of like, how did we get this group? And they even said, well, what about Franklin Richards? Well, he's off the table. What about Legion? Well, we can't trust him right now. But they did make sure to lock down this group. And that to me is something that I think we have seen in the books for two years and was seated in the books. And so I felt extremely satisfied by Magneto's very, very slight grin. Great cartooning yeah. by Pepe Laras, To Emma's very, very subtle smirk. Great I cartooning know. by Pepe Laras. <laughs> so where does giant size Magneto falls in? Because I was thinking about that. Like him and Emma was kind of working to put the gala in. Yeah. So in, the, in there, did they already know that this is in, this is happening? Right? Like, I mean, that's how I'm reading it now, that Magneto was already planning this while Emma decided to supplement that with the Hellfire Gala. I think well, that's a fascinating it. question. Like, how much of this mattered before X of Swords to the mutants within the story? Forgetting about the creator level. Yeah. To what extent right. was this the plan before X of Swords? You know? no, but yeah, that's the thing. Like, this, the, the giant size X-Men Magneto happens before um, X of Swords. It has to. Yeah. It does, yeah. No, wait, no. Yes. No. Yes. yes. I mean, All the giant size issues oh. happened before X of Swords. Happened before. Not planet size oh. so, today. Giant size. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. So so no, so but... so the giant size events may be to move Krakoans to space, but not right. necessarily Arakis. Right. Yeah. So, so the thing is so, so my question is that that is this the idea is that only the Arakis get to go now or everyone gets to well, go? Well, you will notice that on the map, there is an autumn palace. Mm -hmm. And who is the autumn site of the council? The boyfriends. Professor X and Mendo. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? At risk of jumping over some of the fun content here, let's just, yeah. let's just do that one now because that's, I think, one of the prominent themes here. Uh... Okay, this is tricky. So wait, before before we what? jump to that, I just want to talk about that scene with Magneto and Emma. Like, I mean, is anyone reading like a double meaning from Emma? Like, what kind of secrets have you been keeping from the council? You yeah, and Professor X. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, right. Sure. It's there. And then yes. why does Magneto need Mercury? I don't know. Because isn't he it requested... a is well, it a it's a boat. A it's, yeah, it's, it's Emma's and Christian Schroff's boat, which that's is also, also the spaceship. UFO. Yeah, which is also the UFO. And then, like, when people ask her, like, where do you get this? She's like, well, that's a tale for another time. So she, <laughs> she refused to tell them. The and Christian refused right? to tell, tell anyone either. So, so we don't this is know. The second, this is the, I feel like the second week in a row that Tyler is obsessed with Margarita ship yeah. and where it's located. Just yeah. like the ship. And I it's a good <laughs> mystery. Yeah, it's a, nice I mean, it's a good mystery. It's, no. it's a little... and, and the thing is, I, I only remember it every time Tyler brings it up. So this is a point to Tyler. Mm. I'm not saying it as a, as, a not, as a bad thing. I'm saying it's like, Hmm. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, what about Mercury? Well, hmm. we're going to tackle one thematic element now, then come back to the rest of the adventures in the book, then tackle the big thematic element. So okay. the mutants gift Mars 
to Araco. They were never going to get there on their own. It took this concerted planning and effort to get there, right? But mutants still have staked a claim on it. So without getting into the sovereignty of our solar system and mutants speaking on the behalf of Earth, put a pin in that. Let's mm-hmm. just talk about this idea of like giving a gift that you're going to use. It's like when Homer gives Marge the bowling ball. <laughs> like they're like, you have this whole planet that you can be on. By the way, we're going to come there at the end of our gala. By the way, we get our, go- go- you know, our gates there. By the way, we're going to conduct diplomacy from there. It's like, there's a, I feel like there was almost this double speak of like, it's for you. It's by Iraq and it's for Iraq and, but also it's our off world vacation spot and, <laughs> and, and anchoring destination. Yeah. And I'm like, that, we made it. Yeah. And it's like really interesting because it's, I mean, I don't want to draw a, a real world analogy that's not going to hold up, but it's like we have two minority classes, one of whom has more people, but one, and maybe more power, but one who has more privilege in the world right now, namely the mutants that are already on Krakoa, basically saying, you go over here and we're also going to keep control of this land where we are putting you, which is like, oh boy, that is, speaking of fireworks, that's going to blow up in somebody's face in the future. Did mm-hmm. anybody else get that like weird vibe about like permission, not permission from that? Or is it just me? I so the thing is, like, Iraqis don't understand being minority. True. That's not that's not in their dictionary. Mm. Like, they don't, they are not part of this world. They are not, they don't understand. Yeah. They're just like, we lost a war, damn it, and now we are here. Like, you know, what are you going to do about it? And Yes, yeah, so Iraqis, so- there's no minority. There's, like, oppressed or not oppressed, strong or not strong. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a salamander or an earthworm or whatever that we've seen so far. That doesn't really come into it. It's all about strength. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're if the humans like, yeah, you guys are mutant, and they'll be like, what? Like, you know, they're they're gonna be like, what does that even mean? So, I mean, so that's from that point of view. I'm not. I don't know whether they actually care about it from that. Like, they're like, you know, we are strong enough that we can take them down if we need to. Mm -hmm. But it also feels like very much of like a Xavier mutant model, where it's like, I'm gonna give you a home, but in return, I want you to be my soldier, and in return, I'm going to be you know invading all your memories your brains whenever i feel like it so it just like i felt like it was just you know the whole same old same old and you know and i don't even know whether moira actually ordered them to make sure that you find a way to keep an eye on them i i mean be. definitely i took it i would say similar yeah. to free house just like yeah krakoa has helped you here and you need space but uh we did this and we are going to claim some things for us which you can make some comments. It makes some thoughts on if that is uh, kind of imperialistic or what have you. It's kind of mm. up for discussion, but like it's, it, I, I took it as a as a um, a showing of strength, which uh, has different kind of connotations depending on how you look at it. Which is why this well, run is good. <laughs> I think you really hit the nail on the head with imperialistic because again, nobody in this X office I think does things completely by mistake. Reign of X is definitely meant to imply an imperial phase. I've called it a decadent phase at points in our conversations. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, in the reign of X, like, you know, the people engaging in imperialism and colonialism is absolutely part of that reign. Like it's on brand for what we're doing right now. It's the whole point. It's not, um, it's not an accessory. It is the thing. So, and also like the would the Iraqis respected them if they didn't? Mm, Fair. That's also a great question. Totally fair. No, but the, the know, question for me like, is like, why would Araki wants to go to Mars? 
Like, why would they agree yeah, to do that? I, 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 there's got to be care. some appeal to having a much larger area that's all for you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad pitch. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> seems pretty they, good. I mean, they seem pretty hyped about the idea of like conquesting a uh, conquering a world and all that. But I get what your point yeah. is. Is like no, but that that yeah. that was that. Actually, is my answer too. Yeah, because they have moved beyond like conquering a distillery or or yeah. <laughs> or a bar. They are they are thinking in terms of like, well, let's conquer space and what I, what another I, planet. I love the idea that like now you have to, you have your biggest challenge. You have to like win being a host. Like they still have to yeah. look at this kind of more not mature but this more like giving perspective but they're going to apply their very like hell yeah let's win kind of mentality to that which i think is kind of fun and like a very neat kind of way to thread that well not for nothing they just put the the toughest and and most success oriented mutants between them i mean depending on the orbit on that given day around the sun but between (laughs) them and any external threat i mean that in itself is a bold strategic move for magneto to be like we're just gonna move this whole group of people who love fighting stuff and who we don't want (laughs) to deal with to be our cushion between whatever whenever the next empire is right you definitely can draw a line between magneto's participation in empire and and the two X-Men issues that were Empire issues. So here, here you're gonna hear me say a rare, good job, Jonathan Hickman. You set this up really well. Because that absolutely has to do with making them their first line of orbital defense on Mars. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of muscle. And, you know, oh, that makes sense. I because like that. I would I kept on thinking, I'm like, why Mars though? Like that seems a low-hanging fruit. Mars, like you know, humans are targeting for Mars, but now it makes sense. No, but the other thing with Mars is also I was thinking, what happened to the garden there? What happened yeah, to the a red star on Mars? We just saw a Wolverine Ma- story that there was stuff on yeah. Mars. That, is that continuity? Do we count that? I don't really know if that matters. It is. I mean, and then what like, about the red farm? I, I mean, well, they, they did. They they do have a red farm there again, but the red farm was there before. Let's hear it for you. But Mars is a big. Mars is a big. This is true. It's not. What? It's not. I oh, no. mean, it's. I know it's smaller than Earth, but <laughs> yeah. it's. It's a big. My and it's, it's not. It's not like you know how alien movies where you go to one town <laughs> and, and like, that town just is there. it. Like yeah, just it. Like you know. Oh, I'm gonna go to that that no. uh, that well, planet we, and then the one town. But, but they are they are like terraforming that. the entire planet, which means that the garden and 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 the red farm is being destroyed but if, is that, but is if that we have not seen ex nilo the owner of that garden since he <laughs> died in avengers so i'm just going to take it as it is an empty garden so later well like, goodbye aim, aim was yeah. there trying to get sure something in, and now in, they're in, not it's, <laughs> I mean, right if, now. if i have yeah. if i have a fan wank for it which i guess i have to mm-hmm. it, it's that um it's, there are maybe some localized environments where invasive exotics have been made such that they can survive in the normal Mars environment and such that they create a limited amount of atmosphere, but it's not livable and it's not like a, like a normal plant. There's not a normal ecosystem. So that's why so much of this is like a lot focused on like, we have to create an an ecology Mm -hmm. because I think that the the thing we're supposed to pick up as fans is like, just because some limited things have survived there, it doesn't mean that, that an ecology was created. 
that that was my like no prize no, winning definitely take on not it. an ecology i mean i was just wondering like oh so basically they destroy everything that was there yeah, before and just, just to just recreate like the mar- poor little mars yeah. rover that's- i'm like don't hurt the mars <laughs> rover like, oh yeah that's- how dare you they wreck that that's- <laughs> i was yeah angry. that's also very on brand with mutants so carry on all right well that's gonna take us back into the actual things happening in the comic book then we'll re-emerge and do the themes sure so um because uh open free reign what do you want to talk about all these feats everybody loves a feat from a mutant everybody loves a good now i know that storm or gene or choir can do xyz talk (laughs) about your favorite moment tyler now that we've heard your your complaints what is the thing that you loved well the the thing i i love this is this whole thing is rooted in science it's not some it's not some some you know um random um silliness that oh yeah I just create an atmosphere out of thin air. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah. they started right from the beginning, and 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 it started with a dense core of iron that they that you know Magneto pulled from the um, Cooper belt, which is well from Doctor Guger, um, circumstellar disk in the outer solar system. Basically, it is similar to asteroid belt, but far larger. So he basically pulled metals, um, iron, nickel from the asteroid and deposit them into the middle of Mars, making it more dense. And I wonder if they actually changed the orbit of Mars because of that. Oh, you would anyway. think. I mean, they absolutely changed the density of the planet. Yeah. And then and, and yeah. it starts from there. That's not very much based on science, you guys. <laughs> you can't be doing that. I know, I know. It's no, pseudo-science. But, but it's... Is it, it attempts to yeah. do science rather than hand wave it to like yeah. you know like no, magic? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like oh, right. uh, storm creates the atmosphere, and <laughs> therefore Mars is livable now. Yeah, no, 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 storm that makes is it not rain, livable. and now there are oceans. Like yeah, yeah. that's not <laughs> yeah. that's just a puddle. It's very yeah, that, right. thoughtful, even if the science isn't totally lined up. Yes, of course. And, yeah. And I feel like that's how the Omega Mutants were chosen in Hawks mm-hmm. 1. Like, you know, it was chosen specifically to kind of do that. Yeah. Um, and did you did you catch that, Tyler, that your boy Marketo was mentioned? Yes. By Jamie. I'm like, ooh, Tyler. So they him. know. So basically, Professor X and Magneto knew that mm-hmm. McCutter is actually in Otherworld. Interesting. And or that's why know, Magneto tried to recruit Mercado. First, yeah, then and then Jimmy's like, like "Oh, him. I'm I'm like, second. Well, I'm king. like second choice." Well, like, you know, <laughs> it's interesting that even with these Omega mutants, where the whole point is that they're the the infinite version of their power, they still have redundancy, right? Like the Storm might be the infinite one of weather, but like mm-hmm. Magneto definitely has some overlap with Storm. You know, Gene yeah. has some overlap with Choir, and it just made me really realize as the issue is going on, I'm like, they're not as unique. As no. one would have you think, actually, there's still an interchangeable element even within the Omegas because it's all just a machine. They're all just fuses. Yeah. They're all just circuits. And I wonder if and- they put Choir in X-Force so that he dies over and over again <gasps> so that his power becomes more increased. Oh, now we're getting Boy, into it. take it there. Now we got some receipts. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, imagine, like, they were thinking, okay, Choir is an Omega uh, mutant, but he's not quite as powerful because he's not experienced or trained enough. So let's put him in X-Force. Let him die. And every time we resurrect him, we increase his power a little bit so that, you know, it's not obvious 
But when we need him finally, he's powerful enough. I mean, so I, I 100% believe that. I take it. So Proteus and Hope was in on it then? Not no. necessarily. It could have just been whoever set him up to be an X-Force. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of like how he wound up on the team to begin with. He just okay. inserted himself in Wolverine's investigation. I could see something did he, going on. Yeah, did yeah, he? yeah, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> like, you know, mm. Harry, what about you? All what right. is one of your favorite parts of this creation, this mutant creation myth? Oh, man. So I'm just going to dive in and I'm going to say the... Uh... The birthing of Sword Station Two is one of the most like shocking, this, like this is disgusting, just it's wild gross. things I've seen in the disgusting. comic. Where I just like, oh, this is not a Hickman comic. This would never happen in something like this. And I know there are there's been some controversy about it on Twitter, but just for like a pure shock value, and frankly, Laraz's design of like the uh, brain getting impregnated brain. and creating the bubble image of the Sword Station before erupting from Jamie's belly. Like, this is out there. And this is, like, a really different style for Laraz that uh, I, I really gravitated to. I mean, you all know that I do not care about original art at all. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> but I will say, when I got to that page with Jean's hand and the keyhole inverted <laughs> and so Jamie's face crazy. growing out of his brain, I spent a solid 30 minutes on the internet being like, <laughs> who sells Peppy Laraz's pages? How much do they sell for? And like, I know uh, that that's going to be like a four-figure page. And I was thinking about it. I was no, no, no. seriously thinking no, about it. No, 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 no. Five, he's, no. Five he's, so, he's doing digital now. Uh, yeah, so, he does digital. Then I could just get an artist proof. Yes, yes. And not but spend, it will be. Not it will still be expensive. It. It's but like, it's not going to be yeah, for. It's, it's not going to be for. I, I don't think it's going a thousand dollars, but it's going to be at least I think four hundred. I, I know say. it's redundant, yeah. but this. Okay. I know it sounds redundant, but this page that we're just talking about is like actual art, like just the framing oh, yeah. of it. I it mean, is it's beautiful. The, it's it's real yeah. like pop art. Like so seldom do I feel like a comic book image is so. It's it's kind of like art that outside of the context of the comic I could hang on my wall and even if you didn't know it was a comic you would be like wow that's a cool piece of art you know mm -hmm. and and I know and we have a lot of stuff hanging in our house but it tends to trend more towards photography because my partner's mm -hmm. degrees in photography mm -hmm. but I saw that page and I was like okay this has got a lot of it's got a lot of elements <laughs> to react to even if you don't know it's Jean Grey and Quentin I Fire. love that there's an actual like sperm sperm like entering the, I'm just yeah. like I did not expect this from planet size it's the, it, it the seed of the idea it's, I know but they they fuck, they visualize it in that way <laughs> well I mean I, the ah. way I, I mean it tracks with Jamie because Jamie is kind of crazy and <laughs> you know he he always thinks of things in a really non-conventional way man also As, part of it. yeah and he loves cape and Magneto basically denied him the cape. <laughs> Shut him down. Yes. I, I, yeah. I do like, want to say Even before he says that, the cape, it's like, no. no. Ah, Don't yeah. think about it. I, no. I do want to articulate the thing that Harry referred to, because I think it's important to, to put out there and learn empathy by getting other people's perspectives. Yeah. Men can be pregnant, mm -hmm. okay? So it like, tee-hee-ha-ha, -ha, Jamie, who is a cis man, as far as we know in comics, being pregnant, definitely is something that's like okay this like you can only play it for so much comedy this is the reality in some people's world and um you know not that are cis clearly and uh and it's like and then to have it kind of turn into this body horror thing like there's people who were that was a very traumatizing image to look at past the tee haha point of it that doesn't mean that no comic can do a horrific thing but i also think it's like 
you know, have some thought and some care. So I'm not making yeah. a comment either way mm-hmm. on whether it should have been a plot point or not. I was fascinated by it, but just to articulate so that we're not brushing over it, why some people found it controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, even though like I'm not the one for like oh revenge, I feel like this is like pop culture revenge after I have to be put through aliens movies. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, like, well, Freya, what is like, your uh something you want to pull out of this whole creation myth? Um, so the thing is, like you all talked about the Kakoan, uh, the Omega mutants, and everything. I want to talk about the Rockies. Yeah, like, let's do powers- it. Their powers are Great. wild. <laughs> like, they just, I mean, I don't know what they were doing all this time, just sitting there and just, like, fuming about war <laughs> and, like, you know, just, like, you know, just angrily, just, like, probably using their power. Like, they're just going to use it. Because as of right now, every Arakan that, or Arakis we have met is, like, have such unique they're so cool. set of power. They're, so freaking yeah. cool. they're, like, you know, they're just, like, I mean, you know, one of them is, like, they have the whole ocean ecosystem in them. In the blood. Like, it's like, in the, yeah, in the, I like suck on that and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, and try to be the king of this body. Fish yeah, exactly. I mean, we know that Namor does not differentiate no. between his No, no. So, he will get all if, up in that if, ocean. Yeah, so if they, if, like, I was thinking that if Xavier and Magneto sent that Araki to him, Namor would be like, Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do I have to do? What, what, what do I have but to it's, do? But it's, so... it's not just it's not just the entire ocean. I think it might be like reduced form in the blood, but they do yeah. need they do need Jamie and Hope to basically expand it out into a real ocean. Right, right. But still, it's like I know it's very Namor unique. Yeah, it would be something that Namor would be interested mm-hmm. in. Um, <laughs> then there is um, there is I, I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name. Zillow? No, Lactusa. Oh, Lactusa. Yeah. Lactusa. 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 Root of lactating. Lactuka. Yeah. Lactuka. Lactuka. That, that. We got yeah, there. Um, yeah, we got there. Uh, so that is the one that does definitely. That knows all the location. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because I was confused. I read that page multiple, multiple times. I get that Lactuka knew the right place to put the uh, external gate on Mars to make the inversion happen. And I understand that once the external gate was on Mars, that they could just trigger the gate and cause the inversion to happen. But how did they get the external gate to Mars? Don't know. I I was so confused. I went through Tyler, (laughs) help me. You're my only hope. I mean... I mean, I just, I just wanted to say that you know, I, I love the idea that you know, it, it always kind of bothers me when there's like this alien culture and society, and we are assigning them human gender construct. Yes. Because you know, it's, it's like okay, how, how do they know? You know. So I was happy to see there is a non-binary Arakian, like you yes, know, and I love that. they are, they are like. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, yeah, like as of right now, everything because Cora, when she first appeared in Sword, I was obsessed with her. Like after even seeing her only once, like, and even <laughs> now with all the ones that I've seen, it's like, uh, can I have like you know Arako number one? Is she, I was gonna say, can I just have that? Like, no, that's like you know, it's just it's see, so see, interesting. Powers. See, that's why you're going to you're gonna make me like upset again because you know why why not let why not let Kubert draw. You know, an Arako book, 
and let Percy does his masculine, ultra masculine shit and, <laughs> and, and, and put it in that book because it will track. Because, I mean, Araki, you know, are aggressive. Do the ultra masculine stuff on that book. Have interesting characters showed up and let Kubert draw the hell out of it. Like, like, you know, we don't need Wolverine. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, Wolverine is obsolete. Oh. Is yeah. t- is the yeah. thrust of Tyler's. No, question. but I agree. Like, uh, it is is really interesting. I have some thoughts when we get to New Mutants. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, I mean, I was just, I was just obsessed with, uh, and then the Eska is like, you want some mutants? Yeah. Did you say like, you know, Eska is like the three character. Eska is just Eska just changed colors when she thinks that this side is going to win and that she's going to be. No, red. I know, but the thing then... is, she has the attitude. She has the no, attitude of a yeah, like you know, yeah. I, I like her because well, she knows she cannot work. She wouldn't have gone there. She knows she could. She, yeah. she knows that she will always win, so she can have the attitude. Like yeah. she will never exactly. lose. I mean, like you know yeah. what I mean. And I, yeah. I, I but, love the idea. To, I mean, I, I'll tag off of Freya's point. Like I love the idea that <laughs> Iraqi mutant powers don't have to be practical in the way that we think of them as practical. They're not exactly. meant to be um, X Men. They're not heroes. They're not mm. meant to necessarily be toyetic even though some of them are very toyetic because Pepe Loraza's uh, character designs are brilliant and you want a toy of them. But like, they don't have to be like, shoot lightning. (laughs) They can have these really conceptual powers. And I love that. And I think that like, there's a limit to how conceptual you can go with human mutants because it's kind of like at some point, if nobody's going to ever use them as an X-Man, then what was, why did you even put in the time to make them? It becomes very story specific. But this Mm kind of wilderness of Morocco really lets you to be like, this person can generate an infinite ocean from their body. This person can kind of like, you know, synthesize earth and 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 kind of create create the spark of life just just like an earthworm but on like a massive scale this person always knows the right place to be and i'm like these are not powers that you could draft onto a team but i i am just so damn fascinated yeah. by sobunar and no, but, all, but the, I, all yeah. of the all of the aspects of what it means to contain an ecosystem in your body would, I'm, I'm, so which z- we do which is real but imagine z- if like the ecosystem of our gut our, our probiotic exactly. you know, organisms no, that's what like, I'm oh, let's have a garden <laughs> that's what zero is doing because Zillow's basically Zillow's digestive system right. remineralized the land yes. and repopulated with microorganism and fungus. That's that's how good Pepe Lara's art is because there's no words on that page, but it tells you what is happening. And, that, um, and almost I mean, in a David Aja kind of way where mm-hmm, he does sem- mm-hmm. like semiotic type of mm-hmm. things. And yeah. also think about why these powers were necessary in Araco. They were under pressure constantly. They were fighting constantly. It's like if you're playing a board game that has area control, you're playing Catan and you're like, I can't get to the bricks. Or you're like playing Risk and you're like, I don't have enough room for, you know, any of those games. They were like, okay, well, we're just going to make a brief puddle of infinite ocean and synthesize all of that into the minerals that we need. Like these are powers you need when you are contained in a space that you're constantly fighting to defend which is different than the kind of powers that x-men over time have evolved to care about maybe we mm. had mutants that had these powers at some point on earth and they weren't valued and those mutants just got frigging killed and what's really cool exactly. just from a design standpoint of exactly and that brings us back to pucks there it is <laughs> from a design <laughs> standpoint just that great double page yeah. spread of uh, all of the iraqians iraqi people being sucked into the Laxica, they yeah. all look so either alien or ancient or both. Like there's such there's a Pegasus. There's a <laughs> and there's a weird there's a color, black Pegasus. There's a weird colored lion. I'm colorblind. I couldn't figure it out. But there's a different colored lion. <laughs> and but like like they're they're so noticeably different than Earth mutants. And that's like not the easiest thing. I was really impressed with just like how many different designs 
that all felt very distinct there were in this page. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's good. He's really good. <laughs> well, so. folks, there's a, no, there's I, a million I, things to talk I about. I really love them. But I, I want to steer us now to the, our, our final kind of thematic conversation. Yeah. This issue is titled Dominion. This is a word that we have talked about in the scope of this X-Men run previously because a dominion is one of the many la- layers of galactic civilization, right? We yeah. don't quite have enough to make a dominion yet, but it's certainly in our minds. Dominion also means, of course, ruling over something. And so Magneto says a couple of really interesting things. He says, if we were to have a dominion here, we must speak for soul as well. This is, in a way, the same old Magneto that we know. He's always mm-hmm. thinking about control, right? But later he says, humanity will be petulant, bleeding, performative complaints about the loss of a planet that would have remained out of their grasp for generations. And that's the sentence I want to talk about right now. Sovereignty in space. They have basically, mutants, said, we're on Mars now, so we're the rulers of this solar system. And I want to go around twice and take two very different perspectives. So I need some devil's advocacy from you all. The first time I want to go around and I want to talk about this from an out-of-story perspective. Let's just talk as human beings in the real world. How do we feel about mutants just preemptively declaring themselves the rulers of our solar system because they planted the flag first and they've got the most force? What about this is problematic? What about it aligns to our real world and the history of colonization and control of the oceans in our real world, right? We're going to focus on that first, but just so we don't get ahead of ourselves, here's what we're going to talk about second. I want to go around and talk about it entirely from an in-story perspective. We love to be on the mutant side. So are we on the mutant side here? Was it a good idea? Can Cap just go himself about not liking it as we saw when he walked out of the fireworks in Marauders? But put that aside for a second. Start from being real. So Tyler, in a real world foundation... Do they get to just put a flag on Mars and say we're in control of the solar system now? I mean, the British basically shipped prisoners to Australia and left them there. <laughs> right, which was yeah. violence. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, resulted in genocide. Exactly. So yeah. I'm I mean it it I mean it it definitely tracks in real life in in, in, in I mean, I'm not I I'm not very well versed in, in, in like a lot of um, history, but um, um, from what I know, yeah, definitely tracks. But if a human nation today was like, like if NASA was like, well, we put that rover on Mars, so Mars is the United States territory. Mm. Like, how would that fly right now in the world? You know, I, I mean, it looks. Isn't that what happened in 1969? Yeah, talk well, about that. That's an analog. Yeah, when you, yeah, when US just went to the moon, it's like moon is ours now. Flag the. Flag. The, the big difference Done. between did it happen? <laughs> did it happen? Don't go there, please. <laughs> Read Department of Truth, everybody. Yeah, yeah Department Pretty of Truth. <laughs> the difference between this book and the real world cases like Australia, and it's a pretty mm-hmm. big difference that lets us still kind of um, champion the mutants because uh, it is violence in a real world context. But in this book, uh, Mars is a dead planet. There is nothing living there for them to impose upon or kind of take over or force their will onto this is basically ex nilo will i want to have a yeah well you. he's dead <laughs> but like the point is like there's no <laughs> there's no it's just basically free land and, and no and, i agree and that that you know that is like from a like geopolitical standpoint that's going to give people the shivers because it looks bad for humans and it kind of shows that they are obsolete and that is a little shivery but like there is you can still empathize with these characters because they're not like subjugating another people. So, mm, so that's so definitely an interesting point. Yeah. 
So here's the question. Why on earth human will fail by that act that they are obsolete? Because like, they want crazy. space. Because they think they're number oh, one. But, but that's a, why? That's, I don't know why. Because we're I'm still we're here on stupid. Earth. I'm still here <laughs> wait, on wait, Earth. Wait, wait, wait. This is th- we are talking about real world now. Let's 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 yeah. reserve well, this, that for the second round. Isn't real though. This is not like a, there's not as good a comparison. It's like the the image of a the, the, there's the trappings of a comparison with like right. colonial history, but it's still a fantasy where there's no life to step on. Which is the cool. history yeah, of I the real world? No, no, no. I don't want to force yeah. us to make real world analogs. Yeah. I just know that we tend to get on the mutant side, and that colors yeah. our discussion because we like them. So I'm trying to first have a round where we like don't immediately take a side. I guess is what I'm trying to do. Because here's the thing that I think about, and without taking a side, which I absolutely have in this in this horse race, uh, you you don't just get to say you represent some group without actually representing that group. I mean, we've seen, and Tufari's well-made points, mutants aren't even representative necessarily of the population of Earth in term- demographically. They aren't, yeah. their ruling you know, class is not a ruling class that's representative of the population of Earth. And yet they've gone into space and be like, well, we're going to speak for Earth now. Like that's, you know, that's like when the United States is like, well, speaking as the, the king of North America, it's like, no, actually, there are some other countries in North America, you don't get They're to decide all? these things. So I just, uh, you know, I They're definitely, yeah, it's, it's funny if you say you're from America and in, in New Zealand, they're like, oh, which country? Because they're like having none of that. The United States is America. They're they do? We yeah. need to go. We they need do. to invade New Zealand and teach them something about freedom, my friend. Oh, <laughs> That's a joke, folks. Free is yeah. joking. It's, it? it's unquestionably an arrogant move. There is an arrogance to this that you can find thrilling as a win for the mutants, but also you can see it as a maybe too big for your britches or maybe they are big enough for the britches that's kind of the that's tension the of this you know but it's I, also I, like mars is like a resource like it's not yeah. it's not just like finding some rocky island in the middle of the ocean where you where you sent your explorer and then the island later has strategic importance which has happened many times in the in the in our world but like to basically be like you know i'm i'm claiming this oil field i'm claiming this you know mountain full of ore i'm clear you know that can be turned into technology like i'm just claiming this other planet uh, it's you know is Mars I, something used as there, a man. resource in the Marvel universe or the real world? I didn't know that. I'm, I would really you say it. it's more on the resource side or the strategic no. side? You would I, say it's more strategic I took it more as uh, as a symbolism side more than like I don't I didn't know that we were t- people were taking stuff from Mars. It just seemed more like oh we'll get well to land Mars. is a resource. Yeah, but we, I mean but they, they need just said land. they're not going to take it. It's not even like a. It's more of just like uh, what they say performative. It's just more like. The, the, the reason the humans in this are shaky is because eventually it was going to be theirs, but right. somebody else took it. So really, from a big picture, well, they, they this assume. is just evolution in a sense. This is just mm. the ultimate X-Men story so, on a much bigger yeah, scale. But, Let's let but Tyler go word in, and then Freya, and then we'll go our second yeah. round. So my, my, my problem with this is that it's, it's because the mutants did that, and they are like unhappy. So say the Avengers did that. Which they did. They did. Avengers Pro. <laughs> what? How? How did the rest of the world react? We, that, did we really know how in that book? I don't remember. I mean, there wasn't. There was no consequences, basically. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, they're human. Cap is wearing a flag on his ass. So Avengers, it was fun. Like, yeah, exactly. It's human, so it's you know, America's ass. Like you know, America's ass went there. Um, <laughs> so, his his ass so, is a flag. Okay, it yeah. stands exactly. But <laughs> well, he yes. just sat down on, on the sand and like yeah. smile. Yeah, he sits, like, you know, he sits exactly. for America. Um, <laughs> um, 
what was I what was I gonna say though? It's like so here's the problem. Like there it, uh, we, it's kind of difficult to kind of talk about it in the real life. I'm not and I'm not saying that oh force it into a metaphor or anything because the fact that Mars is empty, so it actually does not hurt anyone or doesn't take away from anyone it just like the same way moon was empty in 1969 uh america was the first one to go there and they just planted their flag the same way they have the resources and they were the first one to go to mars and plant their ass Mm -hmm. um and then you know plant their whole island and the ecosystem if 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 marvel was braver they would probably potentially put the inhumans in there yeah. and cause a real life. That would be a real like, and yeah. Or yeah. put, yeah, put, or try to do this in the moon, which is home of the inhumans, even though they're now gone, but it's their, their, or Titan, no, that would be home of the Eternals. That would be or, real. But, yeah, or, but it, I or real. something, or something, or maybe do it even Hala. Like, you know, something yeah. like that. Like, if that would have been something and that would have been worth discussing, you know. Mm. But because it's being empty, it just, they just won the race. This is off Like, same way between the Soviet yeah. and United States. United States won in 1969. Yeah. Well, I want to start now focusing more on the in-story perspective. Mutants have claimed a planet. Do they get to claim a planet? Is there a better solution is this the point that humanity has now, as some of the people hinted in their reactions and marauders, become justified in trying to destroy the mutant race? Talk to me about it in terms of the universe, because I have some strong opinions. I can go first if you want. I don't know if justified is the word, but it'll definitely galvanize them to just possibly just gang up and see this giant threat, because this is a huge, I think it's like a PR optics thing. Like, you are now second. This is a huge like blow to like the psyche. It's almost a cultural battle, if anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, does this work? And what are they going to do? I mean, we're going to turn the sword for that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But um, like, you know, it's it's definitely interest. I, I, I think a lot of this always just falls down to like mutants are like genetically different than humans, and like they take it. Humans will be always be more sensitive. Yeah. In this world, to that. But but. But an untrained AI have already determined that there is no significant difference between humans and mutants. Well, there they think there is. So that that same <laughs> that's the problem, like, right? Yeah. That 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 is my problem. Is that is um in in the in in story in the Marvel story because they because mutants has been painted as you know the 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 one that is going to replace humans and therefore humans are going to be you know but and. So far, the mutants have not made any move to say rule over humans. So why the you know resistance? I think history is full of cases of uh, one group preemptively like attacking another out of like irrational fear or just basic petty uh, alienating feelings without exactly. any reason. So that totally lines up just like basic yeah. human nature. No, no. That's what I'm saying. Like so, so the the whole the the whole basis for this for this um reaction is pettiness. Yeah, it's basically oh we lost, but you know, but instead of admitting that we lost, it's like um yeah we, we are you are going to galvanize humanity in a way it never was to confront the threat posed by mutant kind yeah. that was spoken by the brazilian i know that did not and, land is like very threatening it was like no. all right let's see what I happens and, yeah. and uh, I, have, I have no idea 
why Doctor Strange and Captain America were so upset. Why? Oh, I just sorry, Freya. Oh. Speak on it because I'm I, yeah. I'm want to go off, but I want to hear you first. Oh, like you know, I mean, the, it's, this is one of the things I was telling you that do not let X Men writers write our non X Men <laughs> like non X Men Marvel heroes. They don't make them heroes, and I don't know why they keep doing this. Captain America will never ever take Cyclops in a place which is connected to his trauma just to give him a, a like I can talk about that like you know you talk about character voice I can talk about character voice too and he would never do that and in this he does it and the thing is other thing is like what I just don't understand and I maybe maybe because I don't understand racist people because the way humans are saying that oh they're going to replace us but they're not going to replace you individually you're already here and you're going yeah. to die so why why on earth you care i think you so it just like yeah i just i just don't understand this mentality and i just don't understand why all these years marvel has been just hammering this topic in because it actually stopped making sense a long time ago and now we're here on crushing comics asking these questions i think there's a lot of racism around us i think you i think it's still pretty easy to see why that behavior surrounds them is still baffling but like no no yeah. it's, it's 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 perfectly fine in real like i'm not i'm not saying that hmm. it's, 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 <laughs> I it's took you're not a racist yeah, yeah, you no, don't yeah. understand yeah. racism yeah, yeah. i know I, but the thing is what i'm saying that in in real world it's different because people look different and it's i you know there's like irrational that irrational fear and everything but in this universe they why are they supportive of Fantastic Four and not of the X-Men? That bothers it's, me so that's much. That's genuinely just like, something just you like, gotta swallow. It's like narrative. Yeah, exactly. And I'm but refusing. Do you, no, you know what? No, when is this big I of a plot? Yeah, you don't know, have to, but if you want to like the yeah. books, it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, so I want like, yeah. to jump off of that because yeah. I'm on the record and I, I don't want to have a big Twitter flame war about it, but like, I sometimes this hero and mutant registration stuff Makes an amount of sense. You cannot make an analog to the real world. You just can't. These are people who are nuclear weapons. You have to use exactly. some kind of fictional imagination to to go with it. And you can take the mutant side in the universe or mm. you cannot. But it's not a real world analog. And you're fooling yourself if you think it is. But now let's exist in that fictional world that is not a real world analog. We had an Avengers world. It was called Avengers World. Hickman wrote it for three years. And guess what? They abjectly failed. They only were able to save the Earth through the power of a stale hamburger in a teenager's pocket. <laughs> uh, Iron Man, Captain America, all these big brains, S.H.I.E.L.D., the governments of the world, Thor, they mean nothing. They had a failure of imagination. They didn't have the scope or the power to do anything about it. And then we have things like Empire, which only gets saved because we happen to have the air of these two, you know, uh, multi- uh, intergalactic empires living on Earth and having empathy for the human perspective. Mm -hmm. Tom, or, you know, he could have, what is his name? Hulkling, uh, not Tommy. That's the Teddy. Book. Hulkling is Teddy. Teddy could have just like decided, like, screw those Earthlings, right? <laughs> that it was, it was hinged on one person giving a shit about us. So the X Men taking Mars is basically like, you've had your shot, y'all. This is mutants' turn. This is what happens when you, when we escape your oppression long enough to actually do the kind of thing mm -hmm. that you have the privilege of as Avengers and Fantastic Four and the Defenders to do all the damn time because you're not operating under a lack of privilege. So guess what? We're just going to do it now. Maybe the smart thing would be to talk to the Avengers and be like, "So tell us how that Avengers world went. Beast was involved with that. He was on your Illuminati. Let's have some learnings." But you know what? 
conflict makes comics. So there's got to yeah. be a conflict and they didn't have a conversation. But you know what I say? I say, let them take over Mars. And if somebody in Earth thinks they can do it better, let them go and take Mars from the X. Right. That's that's my in-universe take, take vibe on else. the sides Tyler of the perspective. Said humans are petty and short-sighted. They're not getting <laughs> yeah. what you just laid out. So I mean, come at me, bro, humans. There, there come many, at us. There are many other planets. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go, go take another one. Pluto. And that's that's also my problem though, because it's like, okay, why are the humans in Marvel Universe pretending as if this is the first time anybody ever went to well, space? Like it's not the short answer is it, like you gotta you have to like swallow it and pretend like they are like us so no, no, no. they're not. No no no. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm talking about in yeah. universe. I'm this is there's nothing no, there is that is the short-sightedness of the writers. Like that's what I'm trying to say. This is the short-sightedness of the storytellers because they just don't understand it. Like it's just like it's like okay, you can't just create a conflict just out of nothing when this universe people would not give a shit about yeah, it. Yeah, but like, it just, it's Marvel it's, and the idea is they are like the world outside your yeah. window. So you don't want to have a Marvel universe where they are so used to it, it doesn't feel relatable to us anymore because while that would make sense, you still want to make it feel like how we feel and that's what Marvel's they whole have, thing is. They, they get invaded by aliens every summer yeah yeah that's, but, that's, but then, I, mean, I, I see both yeah. sides there's got to be an illusion yeah. of wanting to maintain a normalcy that does not exist i think is the but here's the thing you have cap who just was a part of empire and was on the moon at the beginning of empire and kind of in a way kind of caused empire roundaboutly you have black panther at this party who just got earth invaded purely through his own imperialism <laughs> and Coates's run right like mm. i just i you know hopefully we're gonna get to explore all these things i think it'll be sad if this just turns out to be another human versus mutants we hate what's different mm-hmm. i would love at some point to see a conversation about how the avengers world failed i would like to see a point at some point a conversation about how the intergalactic empire of wakanda was a mistake right like that's the richness of the marvel universe that quite frankly nobody's got a fictional universe that's capable of yeah. anywhere else on yeah. the planet and i think if this just turns into a more reasons to hate mutants i'm going to be a little disappointed because there's some rich thematic stuff there mm-hmm. and uh, i'm all for it man mutants can take marv's plant your damn flag and captain america can take that at flag of an ass of his and just sit it somewhere else i mean the, the other thing is that the fact that right and all, right to the yeah. point like you almost but as i was talking about it on twitter this week that um you almost it's almost it's a question not. of code switching like you almost yeah. you write them as villains because you have to because it's a book about mutants. yeah sure yeah that's it but, but it's but not satisfying to people who love the, the whole marvel universe yeah, and the thing is, Marvel is the only place who cannot do this. DC can do this. They cannot do this. They are the the publication of continuity. So you cannot just switch them whenever it feels like it. That's what yeah, I'm Yeah, the cap never cares about mutants. That's, that's not in his character. Yeah. Wolverine, but Wolverine that, read but him about that in Secret Wars 10 thing But that's the problem. That's the, that's the problem with the cap writers. That's yeah. the problem with no, the cap No, but the thing writers. is also... The thing, also, the, the thing is also the the, the scene the scene where Cap- Captain America and Scott spoke. If they have done that, like you know, during the Utopia era, that we will not have AVX. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's right. I mean, right. It's, it's, it's really like, by the way, silly. I checked. I checked the different the distance between Brooklyn to Westchester. It's one hour in a non-off-peak hour. So he went one hour out of the way just to have this discussion in front of a in front of the mansion to make his weird drive. I well, just read that mansion. as yeah. I don't like Steve that. Steve no, but- wanted to be in an environment that inherently 
humanized Cyclops, both yeah, to him to evoke and to Cyclops. A bit of, he didn't want to have a conversation as political opponent. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. He didn't want to have a conversation where Scott was members of the, a member of the superior race. He probably didn't want to take him back to the orphanage because that's a touchy subject. <laughs> so he, for whatever reason, good or bad, was like, let's go to a place where I can like access some yeah. version of your humanity, which is the mansion. Yeah. Wouldn't that be in front of the gate? Like, yeah, it just, it just mean, thematically interesting. I, 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 <laughs> it just looked nice. I mean, I'm not but saying it, it was a good decision for you. I'm not saying it yeah, made sense. Yeah. I'm not saying it was good cap writing. I'm trying to figure out why Cap would do that in the universe. I and I'm gonna be honest with you. I love entire Marvel universe, so I don't care for this. Like, you know, you're going to piss out, like, you know, trash your hero, one side of the heroes because of one of, because you finally got the rights back. Because guess what, bitches? That's why you were doing it. I... Like, you know, <laughs> Hawks would not happen if you didn't oh, get yeah, the rights back. Oh, yeah, we all know back. that. Well, yeah, we all know yeah, that. Yeah, so, so, yeah, you cannot be doing this because of an external world reason. Sorry, I'm going to get on. But anyway, so, so the thing is this, right, that if, if Magneto has planned this, like, you know, for a while now, even though, you know, on the page, it shows that, you know, it happens like a couple of days before and things like that. Then this confirms the fact that Xavier and Magneto's quest for Mystic is a farce. They don't really care about Orcus anymore. They don't really care about Nimrod anymore. No, it's busy work. The, the eyes is like, you know, to space. So, so, so the whole thing with Mystic it just confirms that the whole thing with mystics is to make her fail and then deny her the resurrection of destiny. Well, folks, I'm calling the last... Oh, go ahead, Freya, but then last call. No, no, I was just saying that I felt... I thought about that, but then I thought that maybe that's they just wanted the orchestra to look the other way while they mm. created it. Quite possibly. That's, that's, yeah, that's why I just thought that, you know, because it just... Uh, otherwise, it just feels like to what end? Just tell her no. Like, you know. All right, folks, last call. Is there any story beat, character, image, word balloon that really we need to mention happened in this comic before we end this discussion? Horny for the flax is a good Quentin Choir line. <laughs> yeah. It's very choir. It's very, it's good choir. That's like a good, I, I want to see Doug and write him more. It felt very, it felt like a Wolverine in the X-Men choir. Anybody well, else? I mean, the thing, the thing with, with, with um, McCutter even though it's just one panel, it looks like there's a lot of like mysterium-shaped things in the land. I mean, it could be just pyramids, which is not like you know new or rare. But the fact that it's color black and you know, so I just thought that is. I don't know if you know there's some linkage there. Freya, um, my heart broke when he said we don't need another pretender. So, Aww. like, Magneto said, we need Poor another contender. That was like, um, but then also, why is he on trial? <laughs> you don't I know yet. Next week. Yes. You don't know yet. Yeah, next week. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean kind of like, how is he going to come down on the high of this orchestrating <laughs> this whole thing yeah. and come back and be, I, you know, and just kill somebody by mistake or not? It just seems like, wow, like, what is going to happen? Because <laughs> really now yeah, we know and... that this happened all through the fireworks. Like, or did he kill somebody earlier in the night? And it only comes out afterwards. Like, who knows? Okay. So my final thing is the final line in the comic. We're not going to speculate on it right now because I'm tired and it's the end of the conversation. The final line is, hold fast for a message. From the regent of Seoul, who's the king or queen or non-binary ruler of our solar system? Storm. And when will we find out? Storm. It might be Storm. Mm. Okay. 
that is the end of a truly planet-sized discussion of planet-sized X-Men. Uh, we want to thank you so much for being a part of this discussion. You know, it is spectacle is fun, even when you have problems with it, even mm -hmm. when you don't fully like it. And it's fun to do in a setting like this because why, Faria? Because X-Men is better when it's read together. That's right. So on the behalf of myself and my castmates in this supersized discussion, Freya, Harry, and Tyler, thank you so much for being a part of it. If you're looking for the other discussions about this week's X-Books, they will be elsewhere. This was one that was so mega-sized that it really needed its own conversation. So we hope you'll continue to stay tuned and continue to be in conversation with us on This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. And until we get to talk to you again, we hope very much that you are well. Bye.